Welcome to the OFR Farm Report, your look at the Atlanta Braves minor league system brought to you by OutfieldFlyRule.com, hosted by Andy Harris and Matt Kritzberg. Hey everybody, welcome to the OFR Farm Report podcast. With me as always, my co-host, Matt Kritzberg. Hey Matt, how you doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, been a little bit going on this offseason so far. We figure we'll just ke- keep letting the uh, transactions pile up until we can get like a 10-parter out of this. <laughs> yeah. So when we last uh, last broadcast, uh, Matt, we were eagerly anticipating the Braves' playoff run. And that did not transpire the way we would hoped. Um, no. I mean, I, I guess we don't want to dwell too much on it, but obviously, I mean, pitching wasn't terrible, but hitting was, and that's what got the Braves to that point of the season and just utterly left them for the postseason outside of a couple of players like Austin Riley. Yeah, it was uh, kind of bizarre after kind of uh, pretty much dominating offensively all season, just uh, for whatever reason, just uh, a bad series. And unfortunately, that can just happen in the playoffs. Yep, that whole small sample size. I mean, you want to put more stock in the 162 than the four games but unfortunately those four games were the most important ones of the season and they just did not come through for whatever reason there were some good highlights like michael harris on defense um uh, good pitching from spencer strider uh, enough to keep them in the games that he lost um but it's overall just was wasn't what we hoped but uh it looks like alex anthopoulos is taking that to heart and he is uh already working hard on retooling the team for 2024 yeah, I have to say I've been fascinated by what's been transpiring so far. It is something that every single move kind of makes sense to me, uh, but taken as a whole, I would not have guessed that this is where we would be on November 21st. So briefly just running down kind of the main things. Uh, first off, he he jumped right ahead uh, and um, – even before free agency started, uh, re-signed Pierce Johnson and uh, Joe Jimenez back to the bullpen, which was, I think, a really good idea. Uh, those two are potential high-leverage guys. They both pitched very well down the stretch. Yeah, Pierce Johnson, that was uh, – I, I, I would thought that was all going to happen all along, uh, basically in the manner that it did happen. I mean, he was tremendous after coming over from Colorado, but it was – a fairly small sample size still. So I don't know how many teams would have gone out on a limb to sign them to that kind of a deal, but the Braves evidently believe in the changes that they made with them. And uh, I think that was a, a pretty nice signing and predictable. Um, the the Joe Jimenez one less so. I thought they were just going to let him go. Um, but it was nice that they did resign him because they didn't really use him a whole lot in high leverage last season. I mean, you see him showing up in like sixth innings of games, seventh innings, but not really – in that eighth or ninth inning. And for the money they're paying him, it seems like they're going to try to bump up his uh, leverage level going into next season. Yeah. And their comments after that, AA's comments after that, I think they, they really do like his work ethic. And I think they do believe that his early season struggles were related to coming back from that back uh, surgery he had. Uh, in that last off season, and they really like the way his stuff rebounded. I suspect we might see him in more high leverage situations in 2024 than we saw last year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the pecking order. I'm sure it's still going to be Iglesias as your main guy, Minner as your number two, and then you have several guys that can kind of jockey for those 
seventh, eighth inning spots. Yeah, let's talk about those guys now. Uh, the Braves got two new guys, uh, one through trade. Uh, actually, they're both through trades. Um, one, and we'll talk about those trades more in detail in a little bit, but let's talk about the guys we got in those. Uh, first off is Aaron Bummer uh, from the Chicago White Sox. Uh, jokes about his names aside, uh, the first thing that leaped out to people was that he had an ERA over six last year. That's kind of been the outlier as far as his career has gone, and there seems to be reasons for that outlier. Uh, potentially, this guy's got some wipeout stuff. Yeah, I, th- I, I know a lot of it came down to, I mean, it's kind of a quantity for quality piece, and people look at the ERA for Bummer last year, but those same the same people who are kind of deriding this trade aren't looking at what they did with Pierce Johnson just a few months prior. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely some good bones on this house, as a carpenter might say. Um, and frankly, the, the pieces that they're dealing away are going to be really missed all that much. Um, uh, I mean, we obviously wish Michael Soroka good luck in Chicago, and hopefully he can uh, bring his career up um, while he's there. And Nicky Lopez, I think, was probably a significant piece of it as well. But I guess the Braves thought that he was going to be making too much money for the role he was going to be playing. But the other three guys, I mean, there's no, nobody's going to be missing on any of uh, those guys like Shoemake and Schuster and uh, Riley Gowans. Yeah. And then the other trade uh, was to acquire Jackson Cower from uh, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, it's interesting. When I first saw that, my uh, I, I got very excited. Cower is a pitcher I saw come up through the Royals while watching, you know, obviously Braves minor league play. Um, I was always very impressed with uh, what I saw from Cower, but uh, his minor league career really hasn't didn't really um, coalesce into being a, a, a lockdown starter like a, like a, that first round pick that the Royals used for him would would indicate, and he ended up being mostly a bullpen piece, kind of an up and down guy for Kansas City so far. But I really like uh, the potential here. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and it's kind of hard to deal with the trading away of a, um, of Kyle Wright after what he's done for this team, but. He wasn't going to pitch at all in 2024. There's not ex- there's a non-zero chance he doesn't come back as the guy he once was, even when he comes back in 2025. I think the the Royals are taking taking a chance on getting a uh, nice rotation arm, but I mean this is one that could work out well for both sides. I mean the Braves are getting a guy who can has got a 98 mile an hour fastball, an elite changeup. They could retool his uh, delivery and his pitch mix and hopefully get something out of him. I mean, that they could even start him off at Gwinnett and let him work his, through his uh, getting his delivery, his pitches right, whatever they want to change on him for, let's say, a month or so. And if they need him, they can bring him up. And it's and it's starting to develop nicely at Gwinnett with guys like him, uh, Daisbel Hernandez, Brooks Wilson. They'll have guys with options at Gwinnett that they can bring up. So uh, it'll be a little bit different than we've seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, and it wouldn't be surprised me if they tried to stretch him uh, as a starter in Gwinnett, and then if they need him in the bullpen, they can always just put him in the bullpen. But um, he could be another potential guy they could bring up and down uh, as needed for the rotation. Um, you, you mentioned the guys we gave up. Obviously, Soroka and Wright are the big names there, um, guys that we followed a long time, and we, we certainly uh, – wish the best for both of them. Um, Soroka, that 
that 2019 season uh, looked like he was about to take his place as one of the great uh, Atlanta aces for a little while, at least. Um, and it just didn't happen because of the Achilles injuries. Um, I still say that from what I've seen of him pitch, that he's going to make a, a good comeback. And uh, I really hope that works out for him in Chicago. Uh, Kyle Wright, as you mentioned, he's not going to pitch at all next year. Um, obviously, we're thankful for him, especially um, after spending most of the season of 2019 in Gwinnett, um, being called upon to pitch out of the bullpen in the World Series. And, you know, I think a lot of people rightly pointed out uh, without his efforts, I don't know if, uh, you know, the Braves would have won that World Series in 2019 or not. Yeah, and even during the 2022 season, they got one good start in the playoffs, and that one was from Kyle Wright. So, I mean, he's he's done a lot for this team over the years. Right. I keep saying 2019, but obviously that was the, the 2021 World Series. But, um, yeah, so besides those guys, um, we gave up um, a couple other guys. So one was Nick Anderson. This was, I guess, technically a separate trade Although it felt like it was like they were talking about one thing and just kept talking and ended up with Kyle Wright leaving too, <laughs> uh, because it happened the same day in the same team. So, so Nick Anderson went to the Royals for cash considerations. Uh, this one of all the, of all the, this one kind of surprised me the most because Nick Anderson did still does still have an option left. And I know when I saw him late the season, he did not look the same as he had early in the season. And I wonder if that scared the Braves off a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think they're trying to like get rid of all the injuries in the bullpen or the possibility of chronic injuries. And that may have been what they're afraid of. Cause Anderson, he, I mean, he was, I think he's what, about 32, 33 years old. He's already had several injuries in his career, had another one this past season. I think that might've been the impetus for the trade. And it seems like if they weren't going to make these trades, they would non-tendered a whole lot of guys come Friday. I mean, it, uh, Alex Anthopoulos basically Thanos snapped about a quarter of the 40 man roster as it was. And uh, he was just a man on a mission, but it lo- he looks like it for the most part, it was like, let's see what we can get for these guys that we're going to let go anyway. And it looks, seems like he came out of it pretty well, especially uh, for the white Sox getting that uh, quantity for a possibly quality trade. Yeah. Let's look back a, a little bit. It feels like the Braves have been very, very patient with injured players and le- allowing them Time going back, sheltering him on the roster as much as possible. Of course, Soroka is the big example of this. You know, he, you know, was on the 60 day disabled list essentially for, you know, two years. Uh, you know, not, that's not even including most of the 2020 season, such as it was. Um, you know, and, you know, other guys that, that spent a lot of time rehabbing, it seems like, He's taken a more pragmatic look at this. And basically, if you're not going to be able to help us next year, or if it's iffy, if you're going to be able to help us next year, uh, then they, they want to reallocate that roster spot to someone else. Yeah, and that even helped um, apply to the guys they just picked up, um, Angel Perdomo and Penn Murphy, uh, who they picked up um from other teams DFAing them, but uh, they're both injured this season. In fact, Murphy looks like he might be ready by the middle of 2024. Perdomo won't pitch at all this past, this next season, but they uh, cut them loose as well during that time period. But I wouldn't be 100% shocked if at least one of them 
end up re-signing the team on a minor league deal and they can kind of uh, supervise their rehab. Yeah, uh, I actually liked both of those moves. So it was, uh, I don't know. I I guess by the time that happened, I wasn't surprised because we we kind of seen what was going on at that point. But um, yeah, we had just claimed them and, the, and then we uh, non-tender them. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if one or both ends up signing a minor league deal with us. Um, as you say, Colby Allard went, um, another guy who just um, couldn't get off the injury snide. And then of course the, you know, how effective is he when healthy, you know, probably affects that as well. Yanni Chirinos was cut loose. This is a guy that at least during the season, the Braves made a lot of noise about liking the potential of. Um, nope, not so much anymore. Um <laughs> Uh, Michael Tonkin played a huge role in the Braves bullpen, uh, cut loose. And um, I, I'm wondering what's going on there. Well, I, I do know what's going on. They got better players, right? They got better players for the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at the down the list of players who pitched the most innings this season for the Braves, it was Spencer Strider, Bryce Elder, uh, Charlie Morton, and fourth was Michael Tonkin. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> And so he did play a significant role for the team this season. But, yeah, I think it came down to better players. But I'll, another, uh, once again, I wouldn't be surprised to see him resign. But uh, based off of what he produced last season, I think he'll get a 40-man spot with somebody else. Guys like him and Jackson Stevens uh, kind of fall in that same category. Yeah, I agree. And then also cut loose this – so Lucas Williams, and let's face it, he's a replacement-level player at best, so probably not surprising. Chadwick Trump was let go. Now he's still a catcher with options. Um, I still feel like the Braves should have a third catcher with options, but as you know, you and I were exchanging some messages uh, last night. I guess the, the luxury of having that is something that's still relatively new. And um, you know, traditionally the Braves just went with two catchers and then guys that they could at AAA that if needed that to, they could just simply. Um, you know, select their contracts. And then when they were done, they just simply cut. And I'm thinking of like the, you know, the Jeff Mathis is right. And the, of that, that sort. And, 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 but, but the Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith era uh, kind of scared them from that notion for a while. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't say any of the catchers from that era, those third catchers, any of them really um, made me, you know, happy for that depth. You know, I, I, at least with Chadwick Trump, you knew that um, he was pretty quality. I, and, it, and it actually made me think I was wondering if maybe Trump or his agent requested to be cut because looking around at the catch, catching depth league wide, I got to think that Trump could find a backup job at the major league level somewhere. I would figure he's probably at least uh, top half or mid range of second catchers in the league. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's going to have any trouble latching on somewhere. But I think that what made them feel like they could do that for him is uh, Drake Baldwin will be at Gwinnett next season. He kind of rocketed his way up the system and even had a little cup of coffee at Gwinnett at the end of the season where he hit well. Uh, you've got Tyler Tolvey at Mississippi who hasn't, hasn't hit spectacularly, but, I mean, he's proven to be a functional defender and could probably be using a pinch at the major league level at some point. So there's some depth there to where they can – do that and kind of do uh, 
Chadwick Trump a solid. And that probably also helps with future signings. Like, hey, look, we, we'll, we're, we're able to do this for these kind of guys. So that that's something that could pay off dividends in the future. Yeah, they also re-signed Ryan Castile to a minor league deal. He met, he missed most of last season with an injury, but I know the Braves you know, think very highly of him. I don't know if so much of a as a emergency catcher or not. He's usually kind of catches a little place first base a little bit, but you know that is a quote unquote veteran there as well. But it'll be interesting to see if they go with uh, Baldwin and Tolve as the main guys in Gwinnett. We've never really seen them go with two young guys. It's usually a young guy paired with a with a veteran, right? So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they signed or re-signed someone, even someone like Joe Hudson or something like somebody like that. Yeah. Or Dominic Rolio they had there for a bit last season. Yeah. I think, I think they'll get somebody of that ilk to um, pair off with at least Baldwin. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tolvay kind of repeat at least for a little bit at Mississippi since he was injured for a chunk of last season. I don't think he even was active until maybe uh, late May or early June. So he missed a chunk of the season anyway. Uh, but he did. He did at least uh, acquit himself fairly well in the Arizona Fall League. So um, yeah, I, I think that the made Braves kind of helped make them make the decision on Trump. That's like, hey, uh, let, we can live without him. Yeah, the the reports from the Arizona Fall League, especially defensively, were pretty good for De- Tolve. So um, may, maybe that's part of the decision making there. Um, yeah. So and then the big piece yesterday, um, they signed. Um, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, who's uh, was a Washington Nationals prospect, which is what I mostly remember him from. Um, you know, and I I was liked him very much as a prospect, and uh, he was uh, traded to the White Sox in the Adam Eaton trade, along with uh, Lucas Giolito, who was another big time Nationals prospect at the time. So, um, so they go over and. Um, that I guess they, I guess to say their careers in Chicago are mixed, but Lopez really kind of failed as a starter, but really um, came on the last couple of years as a as a high leverage reliever and did really well. And then got traded at the trade deadline to the Angels. Uh, ended up getting waived after the August deadline as the Angels fell out of contention. Ended up with Cleveland and pitching pretty well, but. Um, but the interesting thing is afterwards the Braves notified the beat writers that they were probably going to try to stretch him out to start uh, in spring training. And I have to say that's very intriguing. Uh, just remembering kind of his stuff as a younger player and maybe with the uh, benefit of years, <laughs> you know, he, you know, learning how to pitch more at the major league level Um very interesting uh, idea with that. And, and of course the idea of, Hey, if it doesn't work, it's a lot easier to take a starter and make them a reliever than it is to take a reliever and try to stretch them out and be a starter. Yeah. Uh, that's a possibility. Yeah. There's several things they can do with them. They can have them start. They could have them uh, as a, a high leverage, short reliever. Uh, they can throw them out. There's a multi um, inning guy, throw two uh, once, twice through the order. Um, there's a lot of different, options there but uh some people are thinking this is just maybe some noise maybe uh alex anthopolis could be using it as leverage when he negotiates with starters like hey we would like to have you as a starter but we don't need you as a starter and maybe try to save a a few bucks on the negotiation tactics but i mean as of right now i mean it's like i said it can't hurt uh let's give it a shot and 
it's like it's much easier to go from starter to reliever as it is otherwise. I mean, if you're going to go from a reliever to a starter, all season is time to do it. And they can work on that arsenal. But I've seen several um, guys who know what they're talking about say, hey, the reason he's doing so well is because his stuff does play up in shorter bursts. But if they could uh, use the, his experience and retool the arsenal a little bit, that maybe they can make it work in uh, uh, long stretches. But, in, of course, they can – pull the plug on that one pretty easily and go back to where it was. But if not, I mean, it's going to be a a nice luxury to have that kind of a, a reliever back in your bullpen. I mean, they're going to have what, about six guys that are high leverage relievers in that bullpen. It's going to be very, very interesting how they navigate it if it comes to that. Yeah, it's uh, the bullpen situation right now for Atlanta is just ridiculous right now. And uh, it's good to see, I, I will say one thing that, you know, more than anything else with Philadelphia, I was really jealous of their bullpen uh, when we faced them in the playoffs, uh, which is a weird situation because usually Philadelphia's bullpen is awful and we can kind of count on them to lose some games. And that just never happened uh, in that includes in the regular season as well. So they've done a nice job, you know, rebuilding that bullpen and the Braves bullpen was very good, but, not quite as good, especially in those middle innings there. So um, I, I'm, I, I like what Anthopolis has done so far. Lopez, it's it's kind of a weird thing to say, but he's almost kind of an upgrade over Kirby Yates because what Kirby Yates did last season, he didn't give up many hits. He just walked a lot of guys. Lopez will walk a, a fair number of guys and doesn't give up any hits either, but it's much more manageable when you're walking – four and a half per nine as opposed to Kirby Yates and walking his six and a half guys per nine. Oh yeah. That's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> one, one you can live with the other one you can't. <laughs> yep. So after all those maneuvers, the Braves right now have nine open spots on the 40 man roster, just trying to figure out, you know, kind of how to fill those, fill those spots is kind of interesting. Obviously the Braves right now, they still, or need a left fielder unless they're actually serious about Von Grissom taking that spot. Honestly, I don't think they are, but I think they have to say something so that every outfielder and free agency and every team that's looking to trade an outfielder don't just run up the price on the Braves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's still some, obviously, I don't think there's going to be more bullpen signings, but uh, yeah, um, starting rotation, um, possibly shortstop and definitely need to do something with left field or the uh, main things they need to concentrate on at this point. Obviously they'll, they'll, they can fill in some of those uh, 40 man spots with bench players, but uh, you could do that well down the line. Once uh, teams start filling in their positions and there's fewer places for players to go. Right. And and there were some jokes and I may have made may have made a joke as well about well now we have the opportunity to go get a whole bunch of guys in the rule five draft, which would be hilarious. But <laughs> as you pointed out to me uh, before we started, at least Fangraphs Eric Langerhans has thanks to the Braves could grab somebody in the Rule Five draft. Yeah, um what he was speculating was that um the Braves could take shortstop Nassim Nunez from Miami in the Rule 5 drive. He's unprotected, but I mean, he's the 16th-ranked Marlins prospect in a, a fairly decent system. He's a Georgia native. He's a middle infielder who's got some uh, interesting tools. Uh, this sounds like the guy who was just traded to the White Sox uh, recently in uh, Nicky Lopez. He's got a hit tool of 40, a power tool of 20. <laughs> not, not much to be excited about there, but he's got a run tool of 70, 
an arm tool of 65 and a fielding tool of 70. So tremendous defender. Uh, can st- stole, uh, I believe it was 52 bases at double A last season. I think he's only caught like seven times. So uh, nice numbers there. So I mean, if you're going to take somebody in a rule five draft that you can stash on your uh, 26 man roster where you have to carry four extra bench players. And as we saw from the Braves last season, the fourth spot on the bench never played last season. <laughs> so he, that's a possibility he could come in for uh, late inning defensive purposes, pinch running. Uh, I think it's at least intriguing. Yeah, I'm on board. And with Nicky Lopez, uh, he did a great job for us last year, but boy, it would be really hard to uh, be paying your backup infielder $4 million and your starting shortstop, what, $1.7 million, right? Yeah. And when, meanwhile, you could be carrying somebody like this for seven fifty and save yourself a few million bucks for somebody who's not going to play a whole lot. I mean, um, it's, unless there's an injury, Nicky Lopez probably wouldn't get 100 plate appearances next season. Going back to the trade just a minute, we, we are a pros- prospect uh, podcast, so we should probably talk a little bit about the young guys that we traded in that. So uh, Jared Schuster, who I think was as high as number three on our prospect list at one point, and Braden Shoemake, who I think was as high as, what, five or so, six, also traded. Obviously, the shine had really come off both of those guys um, to the point where it feels like they were almost throw-ins in this thing. Yeah, I think I think it's more about clearing 40-man space um, for the Braves when you get into those guys. Um, it's basically, like we, we like Aaron Bumber. How many guys do you want for him? Because <laughs> uh, that, that was the biggest benefit, I think, for the Braves, other than getting Bummer himself, is just clearing all that 40-man space. But uh, Schuster, I mean, he's, he's kind of reached his ceiling. I mean, he's going to be basically a quad A type of guy. I mean, he, his fastball, I mean, it was all everything it took to get to 90-91 on that fastball. Uh, the changeup, that was kind of his calling card coming up. He, could, he just got to the point he just can't even really locate it when he gets to the major league level. So if he can't get those two things working, he's not going to have much of a future uh, in the major leagues. So, uh, and that's probably what the role he'll fill for Chicago uh, in a rebuilding time is that he'll be either a fifth starter or kind of ride the, uh, the express to Charlotte uh, and Braden Shoemake. Uh, and we, we pointed that this one out for years. He was basically pushed up through the system. He wasn't earning his way to each level. I mean, the, the, the glove was always there, good fielder, um, but just never really hit. And even that last season, I think he had what 17 home runs, 26 stolen bases, something along those lines. Those numbers look good, but it still only had around a 700 OPS, and the badge has never produced uh, coming up through the system. Um, I mean, he's a good base runner. He, he'll uh, he's a good fielder. I mean, he's not elite by any means, but it just it, the point of like he's just he's basically holding people up in the system. We discussed this at the end of last season that they got to clear some folks out of Gwinnett so some of these Mississippi players can move up. So I think that gets it to where Luke Waddell will be the starting shortstop for Gwinnett next season. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. Yeah, so we keep a uh, a depth chart on outfieldflyrule.com and and it, it was one of those things just before that trade I was looking at pitching depth for starting pitchers and trying to figure out in reality where is everybody fit and and this is in context of presumably Westgar Yanoa coming back and ready for spring Anthopolis says that he's throwing well and should be ready for spring full, you know, at full capacity. Apparently the Ian Anderson's rehab is going extremely well, probably not available right off the bat, but 
at some point in 2024, he'll be available. And then the rise of Hurston Waldrip, I had him 11th on our starting pitching. I'm, I'm talking about Jared Schuster. I had him 11th in our depth chart for starting pitchers, which is remarkable for a guy that's on the 40-man roster and a former first-round pick. Yeah, and it just got to the point there just wasn't going to be room for him. I and mean, you're already going to have to have several spots next season for like uh, Darius Vines, Alan Winans. Um, who knows if A.J. Smith-Shaver is going to start there, but it's a possibility. Waldrop, Hurston Waldrop will probably start in Mississippi, but he'll be in Gwinnett before too long. Uh, Dylan Dodd's still at AAA. I mean, that's other mm-hmm. It was it, it was basically a full rotation. Uh, Soroka wasn't even an option to be, do that because he doesn't have any options remaining. So um, it was mostly, yeah, it's like a, a lot of distressed assets that were being thrown to Chicago to try to uh, get the services of Aaron Bummer. And I think that's what basically ended up happening at the end of the day. And it kind of saves them the uh, the non-tender the following day because that, that was yeah. exactly what was going to happen. I don't know if it would have happened for likes of Schuster because he still had options and was making minimum, but Soroka certainly would have been non-tendered. Nicky Lopez probably would have been non-tendered. The new GM at, uh, with the White Sox, I thought this was a very creative trade for them. I mean, yes, they're as you say, these were all distressed assets, but since they're starting in a rebuild, uh, I think they made out pretty well. I think you do want to get that quantity you know over quality a little bit and you know bummer he's you know he's obviously not going to contribute to a winning season this year so trading one reliever for that many guys and you know you throw you know having seen our own rebuild you know not that long ago you get a whole bunch of guys throw them at the wall and see what sticks and you know some of these guys you know i think there's a much better an average chance that you know, at least Soroka sticks. And, uh, you know, if, if Nicky Lopez can hold down a spot in your infield and help your pitching staff out, I mean, that trade's going to, I think, turn out pretty well for the White Sox. Yeah. For a guy that, like I said, uh, Bummer's not going to really contribute to a winning team. Uh, he's, he's a luxury for them at this point, kind of a sixth, seventh inning reliever. He's making five and a half million this season and got options for around seven and a half million for the next two seasons. Uh, that's not something they have to have on their roster. It probably doesn't really say the main thing much on payroll because uh, Lopez and Soroko make some money, but it, it definitely fills two needs. I mean, I think Soroka is a lock for that rotation going into 2024 and Lopez will be there for a year or two until the next generation of shortstop and or second baseman comes along for the White Sox. Was there any more roster stuff you want to talk about? Probably move a lot. I, th- I think we've, uh, I think, I think we haven't talked about the uh, options that were declined, but I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about there. We got Colin McHugh, um, Kirby Yates, Brad Hand. I mean, no, no tremendous surprises there. I think the only mild surprise was about um, Eddie Rosario, but um, even that's not a tremendous. I mean, it was almost kind of 50 50 that he was going to get declined, but it seems like the Braves have bigger plans in mind and. We'll see how Eddie Rosario happens over the winter because there's a possibility they may be able to bring him back later on for, let's say, one year, five million, six million dollars. Yeah, it'd be funny if they, you know, beat the bushes for outfielders and they just circled back to Eddie again. <laughs> <laughs> just Which, a couple million dollars less. <laughs> yeah, you know, or hey, maybe just say, you know, hey, one year, nine million dollars. Let's just. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be hilarious, but um, it, it it would make the. Uh, I guess it would make the agent happy because he gets to get that commission again. But anyway, (laughs) 
Um, it, it's yeah. I mean, they could do they could do far worse than uh, you know having Eddie Rosario back out there again. But I'm sure they're looking looking for better options. Um, but you know, at some point, they got to figure out what they want to do with Vaughn Grissom. Um, I don't I don't feel like left field is a realistic spot for him. That puts a lot of pressure on that bat to perform. We know he's probably a major league caliber hitter right now, but being an infielder sure does take some of that pressure off. Yeah. Because even if you're don't, I mean, if he's hitting, I don't know, 240 or whatever, if he's playing plus defense, I mean, you can keep his bat in lineup. If he's hitting 240 playing left field, ugh, makes it a little more iffy, especially, I mean, I mean, he had a 900 OPS last season, but there, there wasn't a whole lot of power. It's mostly doubles uh, and triples that were contributing to that uh, slugging percentage. So, yeah, it would, would put would put more pressure on him. I just don't see it happening. But, I mean, I think the only thing you could really say is I doubt he starts Equinet next season. Now, whether that means he's starting in the outfield for the Braves or if he gets traded, I think it's going to be one of those two options. Yeah. Um, I, I keep coming back to it feels like – He's going to be part of a package, something either to address left field or for another starting pitcher. But yeah, and I know people say it's like oh, the Braves don't have anything to trade. There's a really thin farm system. There's there's pieces to trade, especially you put two or three of them together. And uh, as a matter of fact, our new outfield fly rule prospect list, <laughs> you can find some guys <laughs> on that on said list that could be used in uh, as trades. <laughs> Excellent segue. High five. <laughs> 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 Well, it's a 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59 automobile. It's a 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66. All right. Yeah. So we have a new prospect list out. Um, we have, we've been working on this for a while now. It's just honestly, this was a lot easier to do when the prospects were more interesting and you could go 60 deep and still be excited about number 60. Uh, it's, it's a little bit harder when the, uh, when the uh, prospect is prospects aren't quite so deep, but that's not saying that there aren't some good prospects here. And it's not saying the Braves don't have some uh, trade capital, as you said. So just running through the list real quick, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but a lot of pitchers starting off uh, probably not, no surprise. AJ Smith Shaver was number one. Hurston Waldrop, number two, and Matt, I could have flip flopped these very easily. I, I you know, it, it, they're almost like one A, one B here. Yeah, I, I think that's the case too. I think what probably puts AJ uh, at the top of the list is the fact that he's very close and got some major league time in last season, and he acquitted himself well in that brief major league time. So I think that's what uh, maybe the kind of the tiebreaker to give him that number one spot. But I think uh, in a system that's uh, reasonably thin that. These are the two. I, I'm not. They're not. They're not going to use the word untradeable, but they're as untradeable as you can get. There's probably a 99 percent chance neither one of these guys is going anywhere. Yeah, if they do trade him, it would be for a major piece <laughs> with 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 um, team control, right? You know the. You know, I know. I like to dream about Juan Soto as an Atlanta Brave, but you. I don't think either one of them would even go in a package for Soto just because Soto only has one year of control left. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if that's something you could possibly justify, uh, one of the the pitchers that come in on the next tier, plus a uh, Vaughn Grissom if it came to that. But yeah, the, 
Smith, Shaver, and Waldrop, they're not going for that. They're going for a guy, let's say, uh, I'm not going to use, I don't have any particular names in mind, but let's say a starting pitcher of this guy, say three years of control. That's the kind mm-hmm. of guy that, that would be in mind for that. Right. All right. So the next three, I'm sorry, the next four guys, again, are all pitchers. Um, Owen Murphy was our number one on our last pit, on our last um, list that we put out, I guess, last February. You know, and I had some questions on Facebook about Murphy. Uh, apparently someone is saying, hey, he's sitting 88 miles per hour now. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where that's, that's going, going around. Now, has he had a velo dip? Yes. Uh, he sits usually around between 91 and 92. He still can bring it up to 94 uh, and stuff. It's possible he could pitch um, faster than that. But we, he was a 19-year-old pitching last year and trying to navigate through six-plus innings a start. I suspect this was mostly about him trying to figure out how to manage his pitch count. Yeah, that's, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the brass had him kind of dial back the velocity slightly to maybe have better command of his pitches, try to extend his uh, outings along those lines. I'm not going to – I wouldn't say there's any urgency there or any red flags coming up. Yeah, let me put it this way. I saw him pitch live in July, and he had a no-hitter, I think, going into going into the sixth inning. And then in the sixth inning, he gave up a walk and then kind of a bloop hit, and then another walk to load the bases. So he had the bases loaded and, and nobody out. And you could just feel something bad about to happen. And, you know, two pitches later, he gave up, gives up a grand slam. And it's very clearly he's mad at himself. The next pitches from, from Murphy after that were well into the mid nineties. <laughs> and he struck yeah, out the side and he struck out the yeah. side and just blew everybody away and then just stalked off the mound. Right. And that was the end of the day for him. Um, and after seeing that, I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not worried about his velo. Right. It's he's, he's trying to figure out how to pitch. That's something new that we've been seeing um, from the Brave system over the last couple of years is that they'll leave pitchers like six good innings and they'll let them pitch into the seventh inning, basically see how they handle it. And a, a lot of times it would not turn out well, but it was a learning experience. And then you see things like that happen, what you saw, <laughs> that helps their mentality and it helps their ability to navigate those later innings. Yeah, exactly. Failure in the minor leagues is not necessarily – uh, the be- worst thing that can happen, especially to very young players. The, you, you learn more from your mistakes than from your successes. I, I think that's why they kept pushing Waldrop up the ladder, right? They were trying to find a, find out the, the where he would start failing. <laughs> and, they're, and they're still waiting. <laughs> kind of, yeah. All right. Uh, Spencer Schwellenbach coming in at number four. Um, I got a feeling he's going to start in Mississippi next year. I don't, I don't. Yeah, that's my feeling. If he doesn't get traded, I think I have a feeling if there is a, a big trade and they're not going to touch those first uh, two guys in Smith, Shaver, and Waldrop, I think Schwellenbach might be a guy that is a significant part of a trade. Yeah, maybe. Um, was the Futures game represented for the Braves? That felt like they were showcasing him a little bit. Um, but uh, also still has a little bit of a you know injury injury thing. He missed some of the second half with injury. So uh, – they they may hold on to him and hope that his uh, value increases or, you know, he gets to Atlanta. 
uh, number five, Cade, Cade Kyler. Um, I don't know. I feel like I might be a little bit higher than most people on him. We didn't see much of him, but those two games, boy, I really liked what I saw uh, as far as the stuff in, in Augusta. Just um, it, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, I hate using this comp, but Spencer Strider, just the way he just overwhelmed those hitters there. I don't think he's going to move that fast, but it's, um, you know, the comp is there to if, if you want to make it. I guess I just made it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, number six is J.R. Ritchie, and probably the probably the number one disappointment. Uh, it was wasn't anything for him, particularly just you know he had his UCL tour and um, you know Tommy John surgery. Before that, his his starts at the very beginning of the year were electric. Um, I, I'd say there'd probably be a very good chance he would be in the top two or three if his arm was sound right now. Yeah, and I, I don't figure he's going to pitch a whole lot in the upcoming season based off of when he uh, tore it and had the surgery. Yeah, he had it in May. Um, presumably he could come back late in the season, but boy, they've been very, very conservative with these young pitchers uh, and Tommy John. In fact, we hadn't seen, we still haven't seen Cole Phillips or uh, Adam Mayer make their major league debuts yet. Yeah, this this sounds like a deal where you might see Richie say toss a couple of outings in the um, complex league or something, and maybe uh, a, a place, maybe an outing in Augusta or something, just to help give his confidence back and get what it feels like to be on the mound again. It's one of those kind of scenarios. All right. So for seven, eight, nine, and ten, uh, we have three of these four spots occupied by position players, and. But I kind of want to talk about those three together. Uh, all of them were teammates this year in Rome at some point. Uh, Nacho Alvarez came in at seven, Drake Baldwin uh, at eight, and then David McCabe at ten. It almost feels like you could you could put these three guys in any order you like, just depending on what you want to focus on. And McCabe is having a pretty had a pretty good. Uh, showing in the Arizona Fall League. I think that bumped his visibility up a little bit, but I still feel pretty comfortable with the order we have it in here. Yeah, I mean, because he's still got some boards. I mean, he's not the best fielder in the world, and he probably likely won't ever be, but, I mean, he's got a nice bat. He, you know, he'll, he'll take some walks. Uh, you know, he's, he's there for offense, um, and if he can play a serviceable third base, he can play first base, he can DH. I mean, that that gives him some versatility. Um, so I feel good about where you, um, we got him on the uh, list. Yeah, the the thing that I, in addition to his defense, um, it, it's great that he can take a walk. I I really would like to see how well that continues into the higher levels because we've seen a lot of sluggers take a lot of walks in the A ball level and and not be able to sustain their production. You know, and that goes all the way back to the likes of like Braxton Davidson, right? Um, <laughs> and you know, just recently, you know, Jesse Franklin is kind of kind of that um, thing where he walked a lot in a ball. And then uh, when you get to pitchers that have much better command, as you do about double a, that, that leap from high a to double a is probably the biggest leap in the minors, in my opinion, and, uh, and not be able to sustain that. So if McCabe comes out and puts up similar numbers to what we saw in Rome in Mississippi, if I see that, then I'll probably be more, 
optimistic about McCabe. As it is, I'm pretty optimistic about him, but uh, I do have him third among those three position players. Yeah, because the other ones, I mean, Alvarez, I mean, it did everything that was asked of him last year, and we're starting to see bits and pieces of the power we're hoping for. If he can provide any kind of power at all, uh, that's going to shoot him up this list in a hurry and shoot him up through the levels in a hurry. But he'll likely start at Mississippi as well, where obviously if you're trying to provide more power, going to Mississippi is not going to help you there. But uh, <laughs> So he's going to have to find other ways to help to contribute or else uh, to, uh, really work on that power over the offseason. But, I mean, he's played a, a good shortstop. Um, obviously, he, he, he hits – it's very well. Just we're just waiting for that power to kind of come around. But we're we're like I said, we're start, we're seeing bits and pieces of it. So that's what's got yeah. him so high here on the list. And I think his floor is is just higher. Let, let's say the power never really comes consistently, right? Um, he's still going to hit hit for average. He's still probably going to draw walks. He's still going to steal bases. He's going to play at least a an average level shortstop for you and be able to play other positions as well. All that together means that he, you know, and, and the fact that he's still only going to be 20 years old when he's, when the season starts, uh, which I, I don't think a lot of people realize just how young he is because, you know, we did get him technically as a college player, um, but he was, you know, it was out of a, a small college. So, yeah, I, I like Alvarez a lot. Uh, I know some people were, you know, he had kind of a late, late season uh, swoon at Rome. I just think it was just, trying to navigate the long season for the first time. Yeah, I, I think that's all that was. Obviously, never played anything like that before. And, uh, of course, among those three, Drake Baldwin, I mean, I think that I mean he's, he's been on a rocket for the last year or so. I mean, he hit wherever he went, and he ended up the year in Gwinnett. I think he's going to be Gwinnett's primary catcher to start the season. I think, like we talked about earlier with Chadwick Trump, I think that's one of the reasons they felt comfortable at least exploring oper- other opportunities because they've got Baldwin uh, – reasonably close to the major leagues. I think as if it's a situation this season, let's say either um, um, Sean Murphy or Travis Darno gets hurt early in the season, they might bring up a veteran catcher that add to the 40 man roster that they could easily dispose of if needed. But I think if it happens, let's say June or July, uh, Drake Baldwin might be the guy. And with uh, Travis Darno's history of injuries and who knows, this might be his last season. Uh, I mean, it's last season. They definitely have him on contract. I believe they have a option for the season following, but uh, they might feel comfortable getting Drake Baldwin in there in a year or two. Yeah. I, I think offensively, at least he, he could probably do the job defensively is where I have a little bit more questions with it, but you know, especially it, it looks like the ABS system is probably going to come to the major leagues within the next three years, certainly. Um, and that'll take quite frankly, some of the pressure off the off framing. Um, he is athletic and if we're talking about floor again, like like we were talking about Alvarez, even if he never makes it behind the plate, I think he's athletic enough, and I think his bat is good enough. You know, he could be the Braves left fielder in two years, right? <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> uh, uh, it, it's you know, he it wouldn't be the first time that you know a, a catcher that was maybe marginal behind the plate moves off, and you know, is a you know is a good hitter at a different position. I'm not saying. And I, I'm not saying abandon Drake Baldwin as a catcher by any means, right? He, he certainly could develop into that. But just looking in the future and potential floors for him, I think the floor is still a major league com, uh, contributor in some form or fashion. Yeah, this is not a hitter who happens to own a catcher's bit. I mean, he's got cat, some catching skills. They're just not 
where they need to be yet. We would like to see more out of them. Yep. All right. And then uh, rounding out the top 10, we'll, we'll conclude our discussion there. And um, so we have Drew Hackenberg at number nine. Um, and then continuing on just a little bit there, 11 and 12 are Darius Vines and Dylan Dodd. So these three pitchers have something in common. Uh, and that is they don't have like uh, they don't light up the radar gun. Right. Yeah. Uh, now Hack- Hackenberg is obviously a lot younger Uh you know, just in the recent draft, he'll be 22 at the start of the season. But I liked what I saw from him late in the season. Again, we didn't see much, um, but I think he's going to start off in Rome uh, this year. Uh, and I I don't think he's going to be there for very long. Um, that ground ball sinker, uh, that thing's real. Yeah, he, uh, he had the, the they believe, uh, is it Augusta last season and then um... – once the A leagues shut down for the season and they bumped him all the way up to Mississippi, they make that one start at the end of the season and it went very, very poorly. But I think that's one of those deals. They, they wanted to see what he could do. And then uh, he excelled there, then all, all well and good. But I think regardless of that, he was going to start off next season at Rome anyway. I think they just wanted to kind of give him a, a little bit of a test and see uh, what he could do with it. But I don't think it's going to affect the what they think of him in any way, shape or form. But yeah, I think he'll uh, be one of the guys you'll see at uh, Rome to start off the season. Yeah, and then Vines and Dodd at eleven and twelve. Um, a little, little bit more sanguine about Vines at this point, but uh, Dodd, you know, he looked pretty good toward the end of the year there, and had had a nice final start for Atlanta as well. Uh, something for him to build off of. Uh, clearly, the the Braves, I think, hold Dodd maybe in a little higher esteem than they did Jared Schuster, given the fact that Schuster's, you know not with the club anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, Vines, um, they, they both have looked decent in the AFL. I think Vines even got pitcher of the week at one point or whatever, but, um, uh, but kind of similar in the situation, although I think Vines probably edges out because his floor is a little bit higher because I think Vines could actually make it as a major league reliever. I'm not sure about Dodd in that. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if both were moved to that role at some point. But Vines is going to be a guy who's going to start off the season at Gwinnett. And I mean, he'll, he'll be one of the guys called up probably whenever uh, one of the other starters gets injured, needs extra rest, whatever. Uh, Vines will be one of those up-down guys, and he'll get some time in, and he'll, he'll do well in some of those starts. I mean, that, he's a perfect guy for, for what they're wanting this season. But, yeah, I definitely hold him a little better esteem than I do Dylan Dodd at this point. But. Uh, Dodd's got some tools and like, I mean, he got, he got a lot of strikeouts later, late in the season. So it'd be interesting to see if he could build upon that, but yeah, there's too, just too much home run stuff in his, uh, arsenal at the moment. And we don't want to see that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll conclude our talk here. I don't want to go through this whole list, but if you you're interested in seeing it outfieldflyrule.com, uh, it's the lead article right now. So, um, or you can click our sideboard where we have the, uh, New list uh, there on the uh, on the uh, right side there at, as you look at the page. So uh, just to round it out, uh, Luis Guanipa was 13, Sabine Cebeos uh, 14, Cole Phillips dropped to 15, uh, Jesse Franklin stayed the same, I think, at 16, uh, Ambiris Tavares and Luke Waddell, the shortstops, uh, 17 and 18, Desbel Hernandez, 19, Giancarlo Solora, 20. Uh, Laura is someone that that's I've I had him up and down just 
all sorts of places as I was making this. And he ended up at 20, but he could have been higher or lower. I, I don't know. How do you feel about that placement? Yeah, I, I think it's good just based off of what he did late. This, I mean, he wasn't on our list last year, so uh, <laughs> to come in at 20 is good. But uh, um, if he starts off the new season like he did last season or like he finished last season, by mid-year he could be in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like his stuff probably a little bit more than – the likes of like, um, you know, comparing to like Rodri Munoz, right? Um, a guy with uh, good stuff and but high reliever likelihood. I think Lore is in that same boat, but I think his stuff's a little bit better. And I think he's slightly more likely to stay as a starter a little bit longer because I think his changeup may be legit. And then uh, Alan Winans, 21. Isaiah Drake coming in at 22. Garrett Ballman, 23. Uh, international signees, Douglas Glode and Diego Benitez, 24 and 25. Uh, Blake Burkhalter, 26, mostly based off of, uh, unfortunately, like like J.R. Ritchie had to have uh, Tommy John surgery, but I, I suspect he'll be back sooner than Ritchie just because um, yeah, I'm guessing spring training. bring him back as a reliever. Yeah. Wasn't it spring training last year where he had his surgery? Yeah. So it happened earlier and uh, I suspect they'll bring him back as a reliever. Yeah. I, I think so as well. Yeah. Uh, Mario Baez, who is a DSL player at 27, just the reports we're getting on him have just been really good. Uh, considered notching him up a little bit higher, but you know, we've been burned by big DSL performers <laughs> before. So a little, little wait and see there, but I'm, very excited by Mario Baez. Uh, Adam Mayer, 28, dropping because he didn't make his pro debut last year like we were hoping. And I think he was a little bit question. You know, I'm wondering about him even more so than Cole Phillips uh, because he didn't have the full-blown Tommy John yeah, he surgery. Had the, he had the yeah, he had internal the brace, brace right, with the idea that he would be back sooner. And they were – you know, they were saying in spring training, yeah, he will, he'll be back soon. And then, uh, you know, it, it was even in, in June, uh, there was a, you know, a thing about him in uh, baseball America saying he should be back soon. And then he just never showed up. So I can only assume he had a setback. Yeah. Hopefully it's not the full setback and they decide he has to have the full on Tommy John that hopefully that's just a very minor thing that they just decided maybe it's late in the season. Let's just go ahead and shut him down. Yeah. And then 29-30, you know, you could kind of throw a dart, you know, between 29 and like 37 or so. Um, <laughs> just whoever you feel like. We went with Lucas Braun at 29 and then Luis De Avia at 30. Uh, but there was a whole bunch of guys after that that could have crept in there as well. But um, um, Lucas Braun, just the performance was really good. Um, and just the fact that even as a senior sign, quote unquote, it was obviously had a little bit more buzz about him coming out of college um, and just how composed he, he appeared. Uh, I think he starts back at Rome, but he's another guy I suspect might be in Mississippi pretty quick. Yeah, I think so as well. He's an older guy, so he, that could definitely happen for him. And then De Avila, uh, he was probably the best pitcher Mississippi had last season. He'll likely start in Gwinnett, depending if he doesn't get squeezed down. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. Uh, I don't know if he'll this stuff will translate 
but getting bumped up a level and going from a pitcher's park to a uh, more hitter friendly park. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can work his way into the mix. Uh, he was the guy I thought was li- most likely to be protected in the Rule Five draft, and they decided not to do so. So um, I, th- I, th- I think there's just a time for him to prove himself, and let's see what he can do. Yeah, if he doesn't get taken in the Rule Five draft. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, the only other thing I have to to discuss, Matt, um, the Rome Braves aren't the Rome Braves anymore. No, they have a rebrand. Uh, they are now the Rome Emperors. Uh, I'd, I'd heard about the name a while back, but I was not expecting uh, the Penguin portion of it. And I think that actually adds a layer of awesomeness to it. <laughs> I, I would go say this. I, the Rome Emperor's name doesn't really... I don't really like it. Uh, honestly, it's kind of seemed like kind of a gimme, but making the, making the mascot an emperor penguin was brilliant. Uh, yeah, I was, the, I was expecting to be like a, like a little Caesars type mascot or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and the, um, the graphic design on the penguin is, is I love it. I love the little smirk he has. Uh, they got two versions of him: one with the bat, and one with with a uh, a wing outstretched, like he's uh, addressing the Senate or something like that. Oh my god, it's it's a it's amazing. Like everybody, everybody I've talked to is like, oh, they changed the Rome Emperors, and they're like, oh, here's the mascot. Oh my god, that's great. Right? It's yeah. <laughs> my hot thing today. I of course ordered a, a ball cap immediately, so. Uh, uh, I don't have it on right now because I got headphones on, but I had it on a little bit earlier. Yeah, I'm off to get me some merch as well, and I only hope that it goes as well because I'm, I'm assuming Mississippi is going to get a rebrand within the next year or two, seeing as they're the only non-Atlanta Braves team at this point. So uh, I hope that it's as successful as uh, the Rome Emperors was. But like I said, I, I thought I was fearing it for a while when I first heard a couple months ago that's what it was going to be. I was like, ugh, <laughs> and. <laughs> But the, yeah, it, it was definitely surprising. I was, I was kind of went, I went from iffy to oh yeah, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the penguin is, I like it. It's outside the box, uh, and and they just knocked it out of the park with the actual um, the actual graphic design of it. So uh, I, I like all the alt uniform stuff. Uh, the merches look great. So uh, congratulations to uh, the Rome Emperor's Ball Club. I think you're going to have a very successful uh, rebrand there. Yeah, I think it's going to go well. So just just let's pray that Mississippi gets a successful one as well whenever whenever the time comes. You have any thoughts on it? No, I just hope it's not. I mean, I don't mind Goofy. I mean, because it's all about moving merchandise and making merchandise and making these teams more viable. Um, there's only so much merchandise you can move that says Braves because I mean, people are okay, say Atlanta Braves or whatever. But uh, you put a nice character like a, the penguin with it. And yeah, that, that definitely bumps it up a notch and uh, that makes the teams more viable to stay in business. And that's at the end of the day is what it's all about. <laughs> works for them. It works for us, but I'm um, now the Braves are selling off the, the teams that they used to own and put into hands of professionals and professional marketers. Um, this kind of stuff you're trying to get. And, and for the most part, it's working out pretty well thus far. Yep. I will say that on the occasions where I've I've worn my uh, Mississippi Braves cap out three times, I've had somebody ask me if I was from Milwaukee. 
Okay, then. Were those were those people under the age of one hundred and fifty? They they were they were older gentlemen. Yeah, usually. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, so I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up then, Matt, uh, unless you have anything else. No. Uh, well, <laughs> I know it's been a while and uh, I was glad to get back in the swing of things. I didn't realize we would have this much to talk about in late November. <laughs> but uh, who knows, depending on what happens, we might get another uh, shot at you here before the end of the year. <laughs> well, you never know. Copy copy uh, sign someone at the Thanksgiving table. Right. So I, I don't think AA will do that, but you never know. Uh, yeah. So we'll probably be back with you at some point before, before Christmas, probably, probably shortly after the winter meetings, right? Usually something breaks there. Um, at the, at the very least the rule five draft would have happened. Um, there's a lot of open spots in the Braves organization. I, I suspect they'll be pretty busy, especially in the minor league portion of the rule five draft. Yeah, because when they, they announce a few weeks, and I mean, a lot of it's routine anyway, when uh, they announce the minor leaguers are declaring free agency. I think basically most of the Gwinnett roster declared free agency had some spots open in Mississippi. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of spots going to be filled, especially when uh, players see what kind of opportunities could lie for them at the uh, major league level if they come in. Yeah, let's see. Looking at the, like Gwin- yeah, looking at the Gwinnett roster right now, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's nine players on the Gwinnett Stripers roster right now, which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course, as you pointed out the other day when we were talking, uh, like the Major League 40 man roster could not le- field a legitimate 26 man team at this point. <laughs> no, so, no, they don't have enough position players right now. So, uh, yeah, so there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of moves, a lot of signings, uh, maybe a trade or two. Um, and not just not just for the glamour positions of left field and starting pitcher in Atlanta, but there's there's a lot of depth that needs to be brought in at some point. I I do think it's exciting. We we talked you know in in some of our previous uh, podcasts about it's time for Mississippi's you know crop to get up to Gwinnett, and they've certainly made room for that if that's the direction they want to go. Yeah, because I mean you can already see the the dots connecting where the Mississippi players can move up to Gwinnett. You're going to see the likes of David McCabe, uh, uh, Nacho Alvarez, and others coming up from Rome to Mississippi, and you're going to see some natural progression in the organization without some of these guys kind of just uh, acting as roadblocks. Yep. All right. With that, we will uh, talk to you again uh, for all of our American listeners, which is most of you, of course. Have a terrific uh, Thanksgiving. And for those of you, just have a good day anyway. Yes, everybody else have a good have a good Wednesday. No rien de rien. No regret rien. Ni le
chagrins, mes plaisirs Je n'ai plus besoin de balayer les amours Avec leur trémolo, balayer pour toujours Je repars à zéro Ça 